Man, it's such an honor to be in his house today. Amen. You hungry for his word? Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. I want to read one verse of scripture today. I, I hope and I, I believe that I planned accordingly and, good, and the Holy Spirit led me and prepared this message um, in the way that he would be pleased with today as far as delivering it. Um, I tried to plan according today. I know we had a lot of special things going on, but how many of y'all know we need his word? We need his word. We need his word. Genesis chapter 4. If you're you're not already, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? This is something we do here at Forward Church, just just to honor the reading of the word of God. God's word is so deserving of honor. Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 25. If you got it, say, I got it. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. It already is. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed, somebody say, God has appointed. God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Today I want to bring you a message God laid on my heart, simply titled, A Seed of Seekers. A Seed of Seekers. How many of y'all, you're hungry for God today? How many of y'all are seeking God whatever you want, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like? God, I'm just seeking seeking after you come on if you can just testify for 30 seconds and say God I just I'm just seeking after you today God I don't care I don't care what the rest of the day has in store I just want you God God's looking for a seed of seekers come on will you pray with me God I love you and I thank you God for this opportunity that you've got God that we've got to come together with you God, and I just pray, God, your anointing upon my lips today. God, let everything I say, everything I do be ordained by you. Nothing more, nothing less. Let it pierce the hearts of this congregation, God, that we would just be hearers of your word but doers. God, I don't want a single person to leave here the same way we walked in, God. God, take this and do with it that that only you can, Father. Less of us and more of you in this place every single day. And we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, we give you all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Fist bump two or three people say, I'm glad you're here today. Check one, two, hallelujah. Got just a little ring up here. I don't don't know if y'all can hear it back there, but um, just... Hallelujah. God is good. God's moving. God's operating in a in just a tremendous way unlike anything I've never seen ever seen before in my entire life. I'm I'm believing that God is taking us to new heights, new depths, new widths. I believe God is expanding the territory of his kingdom. I believe God is doing something so tremendous in these last days that the house and the houses of worship is not even going to be able to contain it. Oh, come on, you missed it right there. 
Is an hour of worship too long for y'all? Y'all ready to go home already? Come on, somebody. I believe the houses of worship are, is not even going to be able to contain what God is getting ready to pour out on the face of this earth. But if there's anything that I've come by to tell somebody today is I'm ready and I believe God is looking for a seed of seekers, a remnant of people that's come together to seek his face, not his hands, not his miracles, not his works, all of that will follow. But if we seek his face and seek his glory and seek his presence, if we put his presence first, everything else will follow. Let's lay, a, let's lay a foundation for this today. Earlier in chapter 4 of Genesis, I'm going to lay a foundation and I'm going to get back to the, to the main text. Eve bore a son, named him Cain. She said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I've acquired a son. I've acquired a child. The name Cain basically meant I've got him or here he is. How many of y'all ever bore a child, and you, you say, here, well, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. How many of y'all were happy when you had kids? How many of y'all are still happy? Eve was happy. She was excited. She said, I've got him. Here he is. Listen, what's so significant about this? It's likely that Eve thought, listen to me. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you through a lot of I'm going to take you through a lot in just a short amount of time, so I need you to buckle your seatbelts, and we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, okay? And, and I might say something, you might be like, what? And you, I just stick it in your pocket, write it down, take it home, chew on it, okay? It'll be good. It's likely that Eve thought that Cain was the seed that God promised in Genesis 3.15. It's likely that Eve thought, I've made this mistake, I fell into sin, I fell into temptation, and here God is. He promised me a seed. He promised me a deliverer. He promised me someone that was going to right what has been wrong. And then all of a sudden, Cain is born. And, 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 and Eve is thinking in, in a moment, in an instant, that God's promise is right here in Cain. The Lord, there's a, there's a sense in which Eve said, I have the man from the Lord. And under normal circumstances, every parent has high expectations for their kids. We, we, we want the best for our children. We have high expectations. We want them to succeed. And I believe that's what we see right here. But even Adam and especially Eve had these expectations for Cain, but it went farther than normal parental hopes and expectations. Adam and Eve expected Cain to be the Messiah that God promised. How many of y'all know God promises us, uh, promises us something and we want to see it right now? That's where Eve was. God promised her something and I want to see it now. It's my money, I want it now. <laughs> Call whatever that place is. But sometimes God's promises take time to unfold. And sometimes God's ways is not our ways. As a matter of fact, a lot of times God's ways is not our ways. How many of y'all know his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? His ways are higher than my ways. I, 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 I ain't got time to go there today. 
Look at your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. Eve thought she held in her arms the Messiah, the Savior of the whole world, but she re- what she really held in her arms was a murderer. Now, we don't, that, that, that won't make you shout right there, will it? That's not a feel-good preaching right there. But that just goes to show that sometimes what we expect to happen, sometimes what we, see, we've got pre, preconceived expectations, preconceived notions. We think we've got this all, we've got this figured out. We think we know how to have church. We think we know what God wants. I'm just going to be honest with you. God's plans for us is good. God's plans, I believe, is, and like Jeremiah said, and I believe it's applicable for us today, is to prosper us, to give us a hope in the future. Pastor, you just preaching a prosperity message. No, I'm preaching what I believe God's plans for us according to the Bible are. I believe his plans are good, even though good things might not happen to us all the time, but God can turn even those things around for his good. I believe that. But now, beyond that, specifically speaking, I don't know God's, I, I don't know all the specific details. God, God leads us. God guides us. God, and wherever he leads us, I follow. And he might point me to, from point A to point B, but he don't, he don't show me the full picture all the time. I just got to trust him and know that he's taking me somewhere. But here Eve is. She's like, this is it. This is it. I've arrived. I just want to tell somebody we hadn't arrived. If you think this is it, You've got another thing coming. We got another thing coming. We've got something better. We've got something great, something good, something that that we can't even see yet, but we can sense it in our spirit because we know that God is leading us somewhere. Adam and Eve then had a son by the name of Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. I told you, we're going somewhere, okay? Cain brought an offering. We all know this scripture, Genesis chapter 4. I'm in chapter 4 today. If you, if you want to know where, Pastor, where's these texts? Where's these scriptures? I need a scripture, Pastor. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Where's this Genesis chapter 4? Gen- okay. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. But here's what happened. The Lord respected Abel in his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Why was this? Abel brought an offering of blood. See, now it's where it gets real uncomfortable because we don't like talking about stuff like this. But this happened in the Old Testament, okay? If the, if the Word of God says it, we believe it. Abel brought a, an offering of blood, the firstborn of his flock. And Cain brought an offering of vegetation, the, the fruit of the ground. See, many assumed that this was the difference, and this was the only difference between the two offerings that they, that they brought. But grain offerings were acceptable before God as seen in Leviticus chapter 2. Now, we know Leviticus chapter 2 hadn't come to pass yet, but I want you to understand something. God had already ordained the offering for sin. Grain offerings were acceptable in Leviticus chapter 2, but not as an atonement for sin because the wages of sin is and sin required a bloodshed, sacrifice. And the writer to the, to, the writer to the Hebrews clearly explained why the offering of Abel was accepted and the offering of Cain was rejected. By faith, somebody say faith. 
by faith Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. That's Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 4. Here was the difference. Cain's offering was the effort of dead religion, while Abel's offering was made in faith. Y'all aren't ready for this. There is a difference in faith in dead religion. Dead religion is sickening to the stomach of God. Dead religion will leave you worse off than the way you walked in. But I'm going to tell you, by faith, if the church would rise up, and I'm getting ahead of myself, no matter what it looks like, no matter what people say about you, let them talk about you. They ridicule Jesus. I'm sure they'll ridicule us. But the fact of the matter is, if we will just say, God, I desire what you desire, and it don't matter what people think about me, it don't matter what people say about me, I just want to please you. I just want to please you. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's getting real. We're going somewhere. The offering of Cain was no doubt more aesthetically pleasing. It was all buttoned up, prepared in a little basket. I don't know. Probably looked a whole lot more appealing. The first fruit, the grain of the ground, fruit, vegetation, was pretty with bows and ribbon. No, I'm just playing. Abel's would have been a bloody mess. Aesthetically, it would not have been pretty to look at. It would have been a bloody mess, but God was more concerned with the faith in the heart than with the artistic beauty. And we've made church, oh Lord, help me. We've made church into this art contest. As long as it looks good. As long as it looks good to the eyes. And as long as it feels good. And as long as it's, as long as it's tucked, you know, buttoned up and as long as people have all their ducks in a row I'm going to tell you something God came to me when I didn't have all my ducks in a row God sent his only begotten son when I didn't have all of my ducks in a row when I wasn't bucked up in a three-piece suit standing on a platform preaching a message from God God came to me in my lowest of lows God came to me when I was in bondage God came to me when I was in sin and it was only by faith through grace that I've been saved sanctified baptized in the Holy Ghost and thank God I'm not who I was then and it's only by faith it's it's not a formula it's not a Religion will tell you that you need to chase after your God to get, to get his approval. You need to, you need to do A, B, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then God will love you. But my Bible tells me something different. My Bible tells me that God's greatest display of love was when I was yet still in sin. And he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to shed his blood. In the context where we're reading in Genesis, it was one lamb for one person. One lamb for one man. Later at the Passover, it will be one lamb for one family. Then at the Day of Atonement, it was one lamb for the nation. 
But I'm here to tell somebody with Jesus, the one and only spotless Lamb of God, is the Lamb of God who removes the sin of the world. And it's one Lamb crucified on the cross, Jesus Christ. Come on, the only begotten Son of God. And He alone, the only way to God is through the only way to God is through the Son, Jesus Christ. Religion won't get you there. Cain was angry. His countenance fell. Cain's anger was undoubtedly rooted in pride. He couldn't bear that his brother was accepted before God and he was not. The epidemic of sin grew rapidly. It quickly became worse. And Cain now committed a, this, this, this sin of spiritual pride and hypocrisy. Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, God warns Cain. How many of y'all are thankful for God's warnings? God's warnings is a sign of his grace. And God went to Cain and he warned Cain. He said, sin is knocking at the door and you've got a choice. You can either, you can either give into it or you can, you can turn away from it. And I've got I to gotta expedite some of this. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, we all know the decision that Cain made. What did he do? Cain killed Abel. Cain murders Abel. And God confronts Cain again and for a second time, God gives him grace. He gives him an opportunity to, to confess, to make it right. He says, where is your brother? And instead of, instead of being honest with God, like he's really going to hide something from God. You know, that's, uh, I just want to preach here for a moment. We think we can really hide stuff from God. Like, we've, like if, we just, if we just look like we've got it all together, then we can just come in and, and you know, we, we might fool everybody else, but you ain't going to fool God. You ain't going to fool God. And here God comes and he says, where is your brother? And we all, know the, we all know Cain's response. Am I my brother's keeper? Like this smart aleck type answer. I want to tell you, your attitude is going to determine your altitude. Sometimes, sometimes if my attitude ain't right, I ain't, I'm never going to get to where God wants me to go if, if my attitude ain't in check. Am I my brother's keeper? This reply of Cain's is so famous. The fact of the matter is that he was supposed to be his brother's keeper. But he was instead his brother's murderer. This Man, i got so many preaching points right here, but i got a long way to go in a short time to get there. I'm trying to be respectful of your time today. There is no greater curse. Listen to this. There is no greater curse on the earth than empty, vain religion. Those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. I want you to hear this. Write this down. Take it home with you. Pray about it this week. Because if you don't, you might get offended by it. And I speak against that in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Many are afraid of secular humanism or atheism. But dead religion sends more people to hell than anything else. People that come into a supposed house of God and the last thing on a person's mind is actually God. Sing me three songs, no more, in this amount of time or I'm leaving and I'm going home. Preach me this long of a sermon and if you say anything that I don't want to hear, I'll go down to the church that will And it's not anything that 
Listen, God is here. He's ready. He's willing. He's able. It's not anything wrong with God. But I'm here to, I'm here to confront. I'm here to confront the, the spirit of, of this, this dead religiosity that has nothing for people. Church as usual is, is not getting the job done in case you've seen how the world is, is, is doing today. Church as usual is not getting the job done, but I believe God is looking for a seed of seekers. And I'm getting somewhere, and I'm trying to get there as, as fast as God will let me this morning. But, but I'm, I'm ready for a church that, that, that just, look, God, whatever you want. God, whatever you desire. God, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, God, I, 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 see, I'm ready. I'm ready because I'm available. And I'm making myself available because it's not about what I want, God. It's about what you want. And when you make yourself available, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing where God will actually take you. And it's amazing what God is able to do in and through you. Because you've made yourself available. Spiritually minded. I've got to get there. I've got to get there. And here it is. Chapter 4 continues to deal with the life of the descendants of Cain. Now, I ain't got time to get in that, but something's about to shift in verse 25. Somebody say verse 25. Say, we, we, we there. Seth is born to Adam and Eve. It says, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son. Adam and Eve had many children who were not specifically recorded or named in the Bible record. But Seth was worthy of mention because he, in some sense, replaced Abel and was the one to whom the promise of a deliverer from the seed of the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, would be passed. The promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, to the woman that says, I will put enmity between your seed and, and, and her seed. You will bruise his head and he shall bruise your heel. And here it was, Eve thought that promise was coming to pass in Cain. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Seth shows up on the scene. Seth, unexpected somehow. Unexpected. And Adam and Eve had many children, but Seth was worthy of mention because he, in some sense, replaced Abel, the one whom the promise of the deliverer of the seed of the woman would be passed. The first woman, God did a redemptive, God used her as a redemptive instrument. And I want to speak to somebody because Eve's testimony is a, is, is a lot like our testimony today, whether you realize it or not. Here's how. It is a remarkable, remarkable token of divine grace that God, in his mercy, he is given the first promise of a deliverer and Messiah, and he's choosing to bring this about by the seed of this woman. What's so significant about this? The one who was first scarred by sin, the one who first fell into temptation, the one whose, whose sin affected first was selected to be the one First promised to become an instrument of God's redemptive work. Meaning the same, the, the, I'm about to plant a seed, I'm about to give you a son. And this son is going to be able to be traced all the way to the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Meaning God's grace is sufficient. God's grace abounds and it don't matter what your failures of your past is. Your failure isn't final. Your failure is not final. And Eve was, man, she was right here. She was the first one who, who disobeyed God, took of the fruit, 
gave it to her husband, but yet God somehow chose to use her. Eve's distinct place in the failure of the first couple becomes the soul in which God's mercy plants the first seed of promise. I'm making all kind of people a certain kind of way up in here. Y'all, y'all feel all kind of different ways about this message. You're not even sure you know how to feel about this message, and, but it is what it is. It's in the Bible. Look at your name and say, the Bible said it first. The message is obvious. God is able to make all grace abound toward any of us. However deep the failure, Eve's testimony declares God's grace goes deeper. How many of y'all know Eve had a testimony? I'm just going to deal with this. It's 1230. The early church had to stay in here for two hours. So um, I'm not going to finish that statement. Eve gets a bad rap. She does. She gets a bad rap. She messed up. But I want you to understand, and I almost, I almost left this in there, but I took it out because I was like, I ain't got that, time. I ain't got that much time today, and I'm not going to go there because I ain't got time to plow this ground, but I'm going to plow this ground anyway. <sighs> Who was held accountable for the disobedience? It wasn't Eve. Who did God confront? Adam. We'll just leave that there. Because I'm going to tell you, men, it's your responsibility to lead your family. It's my responsibility to lead my family. It's my responsibility to make sure my house is in order. It's my responsibility with whatever decisions my kids make, whatever decision, come on. It's a reflection of, of my leadership. So before you start casting blame, and God put a testimony in Eve. God put a testimony in Eve that all of us can relate to today. Because the enemy would like to hinder you to keep you from what God has in store for you in your future. I'm going to use you this service. You was just closest to me. Because what is a hindrance? The first root word in hindrance is hind. Like behind. Some of y'all went there and you, behind. Shame on you. See, a hindrance is something behind you. A hindrance is something in your past. And all the enemy is doing when you're moving forward is he's trying to grab a hold of you and he's trying, there's something in your past that's trying to hinder you to keep you from what God has in store for you in your future. But I'm here to tell somebody that God's promises that he has for you in your future is greater than any hindrance that the... And all, that's, all the, that's all the enemy can do. The enemy just tries to throw your past up in your face. 
Well, remember, remember when you failed. Remember how, remember this, remember that, remember this. And he just wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel condemnation. He just wants you to feel sorry for yourself and to sit over here in a corner and just throw a poor pitiful me. But I'm here to tell somebody the church is not a poor pitiful me, but the church is victorious, mighty, a conqueror. We're made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And God put a testimony in this woman named Eve. And if he can put a testimony in a woman named Eve, he can put a testimony in you too. Come on, somebody. God, I got I to gotta hurry up. Come on. Come on to the keyboard. It is the remarkable token of divine grace. What we see right here. Genesis 4.25, God gave Adam and Eve this boy by the name of Seth. Where does this seed of seekers come in? Do you notice the scripture up under it? Well, Genesis 4.25, God gave them Seth. Look at Genesis 4.26. Yes. God gave them Seth. Seed of promise. It didn't come through Cain. It didn't come through Abel. But Seth shows up. And all of a sudden, something begins to shift. Something begins, something's different. Something's different about Seth. Because we see this generational effect take place and as for Seth to him also a son was born and he named him Enosh and then men began to call on the name of the Lord again through Seth really through Eve there was a seed of seekers that came to be about on the face of the earth. A lot of scholars call Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, the first revival recorded in the Bible. Because it happened after an evident spiritual decline. And I don't know about you, but there is an evidential spiritual decline on the face of the earth today. No moralities good, bad, people are calling evil good and good evil it's all prophesied in the Bible I ain't telling you nothing new this morning but I'm here to tell somebody I believe God is raising up a remnant a seed of seekers that doesn't care what it looks like doesn't care what it sounds like they're not worried about it being aesthetically pleasing to the world I'm going to tell you, it don't matter what you do it ain't going to look good to the world anyway and I'm tired of the church being persuaded by the world's culture, it's time the world's culture be persuaded by a kingdom culture. The world's going to ridicule you no matter what you do for God. But I'm looking for a seed of seekers in the house this morning. Seeking God's face. Seeking His glory. Not just at church. 
Not just on Sunday morning, not just on Wednesday night, but you want it in your home. You want it in your workplace. You want it in your school. You want it on Monday morning just as bad as you do on Sunday morning. And Sunday is just an overflow of what you've been living in all week long. And we want his presence. We want his presence. God's looking for people that's seeking him. Oh. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. And the question is not, God, are you going to be true to your promise? God's promises are yes and amen. The question is, are we seeking? What does it mean to seek? It means attentive. It means to be watchful. It means to be ready. It means to be aware. It means to fix your eyes. It means to fix your mind. No, all these other distractions don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. Because God, I'm focused on you. I want to ask, is there a seed of seekers in the house today? Will you stand? Oh. Hallelujah. A couple of things. I want to do this altar call completely different than what I did it what I feel like God was laying on my heart to do it in the early service. But I want to give some specific direction. Look, it's 1240, and I know it's, I know, I know, I know, I know. We didn't dismiss the early service. We started at 9 o'clock. We didn't get out till 11 o'clock. So if we go to 1 o'clock, you'll be okay. I want to give some specific direction, what I feel like God's laying on my heart in this moment. There's somebody here, and I know without a shadow of a doubt, because this is something I believe God's laying on my heart right now. There's somebody here without a shadow of a doubt. You've done, you've done church before. But church before, and I'm not, I don't know your story. I don't know, I don't, I don't know. Church before left you hurt. Church before left you even more in shackles than, than when you came. But I'm here to tell somebody that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. And now there's, there's no shackles, no chains, no bondage. But in His presence, there's freedom. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength today, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to be free from dead religion today. Number two. And I guarantee you this is going to relate to a lot of people today. The enemy keeps trying to throw up your past in your face. Causing you to think that your failure is final. That your past mistakes and your failures 
has disqualified you from God being able to put a testimony in you and use you for his purpose. But I'm here to tell you that his promises speak something different. God's promised you something great. God's promised you the kingdom. God's promised you that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God's promised you that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God's promises says that He cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. That love, God's promises says that Love keeps no record of wrongdoings. That's God's promises. That's God's word today. And if you want freedom from your past, it's here. He's here. I've got I've to I've get out of the way. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to pray. As soon as I pray, one of three things is about to happen. Number one, is you're going to have an opportunity to respond today to this word. We believe in altar calls around here in case you hadn't noticed. Number two, I have hand-selected, hand hand-appointed an altar team. And listen to me, I, I, would, I would usually say, hey, let's, let's turn the whole church into an altar team today. But I want us to keep this in order as much as possible. And I'm not trying to control anything. I'm just trying to do what God's laying on my heart right now because I believe somebody needs this. Somebody needs this assurance in order to respond. Otherwise, they won't respond. See, we can't question why. We've just got to understand that God knows what's best. Amen. So, so altar team, there's an altar team that's going to be up here, ready, willing, and able to pray with you for whatever need you've got. Now, if God lays something on your heart, I want you to, I want you to pray for that person. But number three, this worship team is going to lift up praise and worship off this platform. Because God said, I inhabit the praise of my people. And where his spirit is, there's liberty. And that's what we want right now. That's what we want. So I'm going to pray. And as soon as I say amen. These altars are open, God, right now in Jesus' name. God, this is not about hype. This is not about me trying to build something up. This is not about me trying to trying to c- control this moment. But, God, I believe, God, you've given me divine direction in this moment right now. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God, God, there's somebody under the sound of my voice, God, God, that's tried church in the past. But, God, for whatever reason, they, they didn't get a, a good picture of what church is. But God, right now, they're going to they're gonna experience, God, the joy. Because it's not about this church, but it's about your kingdom, God. And God, there's somebody right now experiencing failures of their past. And the enemy is trying to throw it up in their face, God. To try to make them feel disqualified. To try to make them feel like, God, they are unworthy, God, of of. of of your love and your grace and your mercy. But God, God, I pray that your grace would abound in this place today, Father. Let your love break through. Let love cover a multitude of sin in this place today. Let freedom, God, God, be abound in this place today. And we'll be quick to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name.